Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Strike! Tell me something I don't know, Ump. Well, unlike that nasty curveball, there aren't any surprises when you finance your next car with Carvana. You get real terms personalized for you right in your strike zone. Really? Steeride! How am I supposed to focus when you're telling me about Carvana? Well, Slugger, you gotta keep your eye on the ball. Just like you can keep an eye on your customized down and monthly car payments. I can customize those? He's out and on his way to finance his next car with Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Welcome to Mystery Bible. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. We have been following this family. Uh, we started in Genesis following uh, Abraham and his descendants, and we're walking through uh, several uh, transcripts, if you will, to get some additional information. And I've been telling you guys, I love investigating um, uh, things, like to read things. Uh, one of my favorite authors or people to follow and gather information from which I've said to you guys is Dr. Uh, Ken Johnson. Uh, you can find him uh, all over. I know he has a live uh, podcast. I think it's on Mondays. Not podcast, a show on YouTube that I listen from time to time when I do have the time. I know his site is biblefacts.org that you can go and get a lot of information there, um, uh, early Christian writings. So he houses a lot of information that can expand your knowledge of who you're serving, who God is, and um, how he, uh, what he has done on your behalf and my behalf and the world. And um, it is some powerful stuff. We've been looking at uh, the works of uh, Josephus. Uh, when I was in Bible school, I had to study and read all of his. When I left, I was reading all of that type of stuff. The Legend of the Jews is another book that I've been accessing for information uh, as we, um, as a part of this podcast, so that you guys can get a, deep, a deeper flavor, if you will, I call it some flavor, a different flavor as to what transpired behind the scenes in the Bible with some of these stories. When we last uh, ended, I believe it was Book of Yasher, chapter 56, and parts of 57, uh, I think we ended up at chapter, uh, verse, verses 5 of 57, when uh, we were looking at this family of Esau lost their minds had the funeral of jo- Jacob and a, a war broke out and all of this type stuff. Now, you don't see all of that stuff in the Bible. Um, the Bible is a cleaner book, if you will. Uh, these other books will go a little more into detail. Um, we saw in um, through the Bible, again, I'm using the Bible as our base, the baseline, and then we are branching off to the other thing. We see that uh, Joseph, as a, Jacob, as I mentioned, he, he dies, and um, according to um, the Bible, uh, his death happened in, um, in chapter, I believe it's in chapter um, 49, or 49, I believe, um, where he dies. And um, uh, we see that his death, according to the book of the Asher, and I know the, uh, the uh, legend of the Jews as well, and in um, the uh, uh, Josephus, the writing of Josephus, this is a big deal. This guy is a well-known person. He and his family are well-known. And we know that Esau and all of these guys, these are well-known 
people at that time. And I've told you guys, uh, as we are studying Esau's life, we see that he was the one that uh, killed Nimrod. He cut Nimrod's head off, actually. And um, uh, as a result, we see that a similar thing happened to him here within this battle, as we read in the book of Yasher. We see that um, in 49 in the Bible, uh, he uh, he dies, and the funeral is there, all of Egypt and all of the uh, families and surrounding families were coming and uh, pay their respect as they're about to bury him. And we know that um, Esau's family started a war on the plot, trying to lie and be conniving and and uh, just acting crazy at a funeral. And we talked about families acting crazy at funerals. This is the ultimate one. Uh, there is a war that actually broke out as a result, and we will read about that war in a short while. And in the Bible now, we're looking at the, uh, the progress of the stuff. Here in the Bible, after Jacob died, in 50, uh, we have where Joseph and his brother comes, and his brothers are panicking now because they're still living in guilt. And these are the things that I want to walk with you. We are seeing this dysfunctional family, and we can see some of our family and some of ourselves within these families and so forth. And so I like to address those things as we talk about this family and we move through the, uh, the book of Genesis. And we see in chapter 15 in the Bible that after um, Joseph begins to mourn and they did the 40 days and all that type of stuff. And um, we know that uh, in the book of Yahshua they had the war after. And again, as I mentioned, we'll get back to that. But I want to uh, focus for your attention a little here to the Bible in chapter 50. In chapter 50 in the Bible, uh, Joseph dies. and uh, But before he dies, um, uh, his brothers had a little panic, panic attack, if you will. And um, because they figured that the father is dead now, now he's going to retaliate against them. And so I bring that up to say to you that when one walks in forgiveness and... Um, no one is saying that you must forget, but forgiveness um, it, to the to the human spirit um, is you can learn from it. God, when He forgives, the Bible tells us that He tosses our sin in the sea of forgetfulness, and He doesn't remember it anymore. But I know you and I don't have that; we have that limited ability to do that. But He takes our sins, man, and throws it away, and so He actually, truly, one hundred percent, when He forgives, there's nobody that forgives like God. I mean, I can't do it um, because we remember, you know, but God chooses. He makes a decision not to remember. And that to me is a powerful thing that the Father does on our behalf. Uh, also, we have a high priest that sits before the Father. So then when we do um, deviate out of faith and we begin to operate in the old way by which we were thinking, then, you know, the Bible calls that sin or we, we're falling short of, of walking by faith because it tells us that faith is a law and we have to walk in the law of faith. And um, when we deviate from that law of faith, we're walking into the realm of unbelief doubt and all those different things and those are part of the other kingdom you guys have been following me i've been talking about christians or other people are from another kingdom there are two kingdoms the kingdom of disobedience or the kingdom of darkness where the children of disobedience reside those 
that every believer was a part of the kingdom and we were disobedience. We were a part of the children of disobedience. They are not evil and crazy. They are in the children of disobedience, but they do behave and act like their father, who is the devil, who is the, the king of that kingdom. And it tells us that when we become born again, because you got to be born into each kingdom, uh, when you're born naturally into the kingdom of, of the natural kingdom of darkness, and you must be born again to walk into now another kingdom, the kingdom of God's dear son, or the kingdom uh, of God. And when you come into the kingdom of God, now you have to, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, meaning you are going to seek the principles and policies and procedures by which now you have to live and operate as an, a citizen within this new kingdom. And because we are still we still have attachment to the old kingdom, the Bible says that the flesh is attached, it's a part of that old kingdom. Sometimes we have difficulty walking by faith, we will revert back to the pulling and the, um, the way by which we live, we used to live. And God says, do not um, he has provided a way by which we do that. He said, let not sin have dominion over you. So that is your choice, whether you allow sin through the flesh to manifest through adultery and all these other things that it tells us. That's how we are connected to that old world. So that is why we walk this walk of faith, because we are now walking by the rules of this new kingdom. And so when we are um, deviating back and forth, we get into problems, and then we have our high priest that is there for our behalf. But there's principles of forgiving and so forth. And I was talking about this forgiving piece that um, uh, Joseph's brothers are panicking, and they figure that now that he is, is uh, Joseph is gone, that Jacob would, I mean, Joseph would retaliate against them. So what they did was that they got someone to go to him and, and um, say, hey, you, you know, and uh, he he told them, he kind of made their, uh, put their mind at ease and said, hey guys, I'm going to respect you guys. I, I What you did, you did, um, you know, out of malice or whatever, but God was in control of the whole process because God was able to bring me to this place so that I can be able to um, help the family, provide for the family. And he said, I will honor that all the way through. Um, so he was walking in forgiveness. And so his brothers were um, still traumatized by what they did to him. And they had carried guilt. They were walking in with guilt, and guilt was governing their decisions and their behavior. But he was guilt-free. And when you're guilt-free, you recognize that God brought you to that place. And he says, wait a minute, what you guys did, you you did in, you know, to try and, and hurt, hurt me, but God used it for good. So those that are trying to hurt you, God will always use it for good. Why? The scripture says um, that uh, God has plans for you and that you have the victory in all things. And he tells us that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He tells us that uh, he's there for our behalf so that we can, um, you know, he'll protect us, guide us, and all of these things that those other people don't have with their God. I haven't read anything where any other God except for Jesus Christ in, in the Word when you study it. Any kind of religion, you, I've never seen it where a God is invested in its people or his citizens like those in the kingdom of God. So let's pick up in the book of Yasher, which we had left in chapter 5. It says that now this is Esau's 
flaky family. Uh, they are trying to fight with uh, the sons of Jacob. And we talked about the exploits of the sons of Jacob, how these guys were supermen back in the day. And um, we see that he Esau lost his head. Uh, the children of Esau, his sons and his family are fighting uh, 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 Jacob's family and Joseph's and so forth. And they ran away. They left the body of Esau. And so now we are going to pick up there and see what happens as this crazy family begins to move forward and create now a war that uh, goes into play. Remember when Jacob, uh, that Joseph took a couple of uh, their brothers, uh, Zeppo, uh, they took him and they took a couple of other people as well. So they're going to want to go get them back. And so, and they came onto Monshire and they buried Esau in Sire, but they had not brought his head with them. Desire, for it was buried in that place where the battle had been in Hebron. So they, um, he, Jacob and his people buried in one, and he just had his body. And it's really fascinating. The scripture says, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. You know, as I mentioned, he chopped off um, uh, uh, Nimrod's head, and his head also was gone. And it came to pass, when the sons of Esau had fled from before the sons of Jacob, the sons of Jacob pursued them onto the border of Seir, but they did not slay a single man or from amongst them when they pursued them or Esau's body, which they carried with them their confusion. So they fled and the sons of Jacob turned back from them and came up to the place where their brethren were in Hebron. And they remained there on that day and on that next day until they rested from the battle. And it came to pass on the third day they assembled all the sons of Seir, the Horite, and they assembled all the children of the east, a multitude of people like the sands of the sea, and they went and came down to Egypt to fight with Joseph and his brethren in order to deliver their brethren. So there comes this crazy family, as I mentioned, that um, they're going to now embark on a crusade. And Joseph and all of his sons and Jacob heard that the sons of Esau and children and the children of the east had come upon them to battle in order to deliver their brethren. See, the Bible doesn't go into any of this information, and that is why I love studying these books, as I tell you guys, getting behind the scenes, man. Um, uh, we're going to do a podcast a little different today. I usually take breaks. I'm just going to run it through and um, uh, change the format a little later today. So we are going to... Um, uh, continue about this. So Jacob, uh, Joseph and his sons, they heard that Esau and, and his people are coming uh, upon the battle to deliver their brethren. Num uh, verse 8, And Joseph and his brethren and the strong men of Egypt went forth and fought in the city of Ramses. And Joseph and his brethren dealt out a tremendous blow amongst the sons of Esau and the children of the east. And they slew of them six hundred thousand men, and they saw amongst them all the mighty men of the children of Seir, the Horite. There were only a few of them left, and they slew also a great many of the children of the east, and the children of Esau, and Elphaz, the son of Esau, and the children of the east all fled before Joseph and his brethren. Now, guys, um, and you've heard me said this before, um, the Bible tells us that after the flood that the Nephilim race came back. And, um, but I believe 
that it didn't come like the first in- incursion, if you will. The first incursion was direct contact, where the angels slept with the men, I mean, with the women. And they had giants. These, the, the ancient Greek calls them uh, the titans. And I believe that those, the history or the, the uh, that when the Greek talks about the titans, I believe they're talking about um, the first uh, set of um, Nephilim, because the Bible tells us that it was a, it was a, um, um, it was a rebellion amongst them, I guess. They started fighting um against each other that was their punishment that they would fight against each other after 500 years they would only live 500 years so they were on the planet for 500 years the Anunnaki's which were uh, we read about and you hear people talk about on TV and whatever those guys were angels those were the fallen 200 angels that came in and was ruling the world at the time the Anunnaki's people call them the sky people that's who they were and so their kids they got to see them their first generation and they would die and they, they think after the flood came to destroy all of that, I believe that one of the wives of Noah's son is she was she had that gene in her and when they became uh, they began to repopulate the earth, I believe that uh, uh, those men came back, but they did not come back in the size of the one, the previous ones. So they had lots of giants around at this time uh, because um, Abraham, he took some of them out as well when he had the five kings, his battle with the five kings. So these guys were all over. And the, the book of uh, Yashar talks about these mighty men. So these men had um, a serious strength. We see that one of uh, Joseph's kids um, because of the anointing and all that stuff in his life. And we know that, and I keep telling you guys, God, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit used to come and anoint these men for exploits. We see Samson picking up and killing uh, with a jawbone of an ass. A great story. We know that the, the all of the strength and the things that those guys did, that uh, the Holy Spirit would come upon them and cause them to do many things as well. And so... Um, we see that uh, in this this grouping, there were men from both sides, and um, uh, these men were powerful men, and they were battling. And um, Jacob and his people almost destroyed the entire um, east at the time. Six says six hundred thousand men died. Man, that's a lot of people that died um, uh, in a battle. So I don't think we have those type of numbers at this time here, but over time, uh, they added up into the, the millions and hundreds of thousands, especially in Germany with the concentration camps. So we see that Esau and uh, his kids, um, uh, Elphaz, the son of Esau, and the children of the east all fled before Jacob and his brethren. And Joseph and his brethren pursued them until they came to Succoth, and they yet slew of them in Succoth thirty men, and the rest escaped, for they fled to his city. And Joseph and his brethren and the mighty men of Egypt turned back from them with joy and cheerfulness of heart, for they had smitten all their enemies. And Bepho, the son of Elphaz, and his men were still slaves in Egypt to the sons of Jacob and their pain 
increased. And the sons of Esau and the sons of Seir returned to their land, and the sons of Seir saw that they had all fallen into the hands of the sons of Jacob and the people of Egypt on account of the battle of the sons of Esau. And the sons of Seir said unto the sons of Esau, You have seen, and therefore you know, that this camp was on your account, and not one mighty man or an adapt uh, or any adapt in war remain. So he, they're saying, you got our men killed, you got our people killed, you know, and so they're now going to turn on them. Now, therefore, go forth from our land, go from us to the land of Canaan, to the land of the dwelling of your fathers. Wherefore shall your children inherit the effect of our children in latter days? And the children of Esau would not listen to the children of Seir, and the children of Seir considered to make war with them. And the children of Esau sent secretly to Angus, king of Africa, the same in Dinahab, saying, Send us, uh, send unto us some of your men, and let them come unto us, and we will fight together with the children of the Seir, the Horites, for they have resolved to fight with us to drive us away from the land. And the king uh, did so, for he was in those days friendly to the children of Esau and Angus uh, sent 500 valiant infantry to the children of Esau and 800 cavalry. And the children of Seir sent unto the children of the east and unto the children of Midian, saying, You have seen what the children of Esau have done unto us, upon whose account we are almost all destroyed in their battle with the sons of Jacob. Now, therefore, come unto us and assist us, and we will fight them together, and we will drive them from the land. And the advantage of the cause of our brethren, who died for their sake in their battle with their brethren, the sons of Jacob. And all the children of East listened to the children of Seir, and they came unto them, about 800 men, with drawn sword. And the children of Esau fought with the children of Seir at that time in the wilderness of Paran. And the children of Seir prevailed then over the sons of Esau, and the children of Seir, Seir slew on that day the children of Esau in that battle about 200 men of the people of Angus king of Dinobah. And on the second day, the children of Esau came against the fight the second time with the children of Sarah, and the battle was sore upon the children of Esau the second time, and it troubled them greatly on account of the children children of Seir. And when the ch children of Esau saw that the children of Seir were more powerful than they were, some men of the children of Esau turned and assisted the children of Seir, their enemy. Wow, this is some serious family drama that they even turned on each other. We see that within the family all the time, uh, distant family close family, everybody, um, no allegiance sometimes. So we see that this guy, these guys are looking at this war and they're siding with the enemy. That happens all the time in any kind of warfare. If you read right now in what's happening around the world, there's so many different, and then you see people siding with the other thing. I know I read recently about uh, Ukraine, where a lot of Ukrainians were, uh, were there siding with the, the Russians, and they would then, um, you know, uh, be found out and then tried and all this type of stuff. So this stuff happens in warfare, and... Um, it happens all the time. I also read of an American there in Russia. So this stuff, as I mentioned, you know, um, it just happens. So uh, we see that the, these guys now began to switch. And um, after the second day of battle, then this this uh, treachery began. And it says, and they fell 
of the people of the children of Esau in the second battle, 58 men, and of the people of Angus king, his, his folks, it says, and on the third day the children of Esau heard that some of their brethren had turned from them to fight against them in the second battle. And the children of Esau mounted when they heard this thing, and they said, What shall we do unto our brethren who turned from us to assist the children of Seir? our enemy. And the children of Esau again sent to the king again, saying, Send us, us us again other men that with them we may fight with the children of Seir, for they have already twice been heavier than we were. And the king again sent to the children of Esau about six hundred valiant men. And they came to assist the children of Esau. And in ten days' time, the children of Esau again waged war with the children of Seir in the wilderness of Paran. And the battle was very severe upon the children of Seir. And the children of Esau prevailed at this time over the children of Seir. And the children of Seir were smitten before the children of Esau. And the children of Esau slew from them about two thousand men. And all the mighty men of the children of Seir died in this battle. And there only remained their young children that were left in their cities. And all the Median and the children of the east betook themselves to fight from the battle. And they left the children of Seir and fled when they saw that the battle was severe upon them. And the children of Esau pursued all the children of the east until they reached their land. And the children of Esau slew yet of them about two hundred and fifty men. And from the people of the children of Esau they fell in that battle about thirty men. But this evil came upon them through their brethren, turning from them to assist the children of Seir, therefore. And the children of Esau again heard of the evil doing of their brethren, and they again mourned on account of this thing. And it came to pass after the battle, the children of Esau turned back and came home unto Seir. And they, the children of Esau slew those who had remained in the land of the children of Seir. They slew all their wives and little ones. They left not a soul alive except fifty young lads and damsel whom they suffered to live. And the children of Esau did not put them to death, and the lads became their slaves, and the damsel they took the wives. And the children of Esau dwelt in Seir in the plain of the children of Seir, and they inherit their land and took possession of it. And the children of Esau took all belonging in the land of the children of Seir, also their flock, their bullocks and their goods and all belonging to the children of Seir did the children of Esau take and the children of Esau dwelt in Seir in the place of the children of Seir unto this day and the children of Esau divided the land into division to the five sons of Esau according to their family and it came to pass in those days that the children of Esau, Esau resolved to crown a king over them in the land which they came they became possessed and they said of each other not so for he shall reign over us in our land and we shall be under his counsel and he shall fight our battle against our enemies and they did so and all the children of esau swore saying that none of their children should ever reign over them but a strange man who is not of their brethren for the souls of all the children of esau were embittered every man against his son brother and friend on account of the evil that sustained 
they sustained from their brethren when they fought with the children of Seir. So this betrayal really um, impacted them. Therefore, the sons of Esau swore, saying, From that day forward, they will not choose a king from their brethren, because one from a strange land unto this day. So they um, didn't want to get anyone because they saw that treachery and they felt that they couldn't trust their own. Wow, that is powerful stuff. And there were a man there from the people of Angus the king, and his name was Bela, the son of Bor, whom was a very valiant man, beautiful and comely and wise in all wisdom, and a man of sense and counsel. And there was none of the people in Angus like unto him. And all the children of Esau took him and anointed him, and they crowned him for a king, and they bowed down to him. And they said unto him, May the king live, may the king live. So we see them, uh, the children of Esau, taking an African gentleman and making him king over their people. And uh, a handsome brother, smart. And uh, we see that uh, he then became their first king. And all the children of Esau took him and anointed him king, and they crowned him for a king. They bowed down to him, and they said unto him, May the king live, may the king live. And they spread out the sheets, and they brought unto him each man earrings and gold and silver or ring or bracelet, and they made him very rich in silver and in gold and onyx stone, brilliant. And they made him a royal throne, and they placed a, royal, a regal crown upon his head, and they built a palace for him, and he dwelt therein, he became king, over all the children of Esau. And the people of Angus took their heir from their battle for the children of Esau, and they went and returned to the time to their master. So a bunch of them went back uh, to Africa, um, uh, to their homeland. And Bela reigned over the children of Esau thirty years, and the children of Esau dwelt in the land instead of the children of Seir, and they dwelt securely in their stead unto this day. So that was chapter 57. We are now in 58 of the book of the Asher. And it came to pass in the 32nd year of the Israelite going down to Egypt, that is the 71st uh, year of the life of Joseph. So Joseph is 70, 70, 71, and in the year... Um, died Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Margron, his son, reigned in his stead. And so this is where we see that transition happen, where the children of Israel, because God had promised Abraham that he would deliver his, the children of Israel from, from Egypt. And so we are seeing that um, this prophecy will be fulfilled, but God had to... Had to uh, they, were, they had to end up in Egypt, and this is how they ended up in Egypt. And uh, we see that that transition happened, because before the, uh, this transition happened, where they became slaves, they were uh, treated well and with respect uh, from Pharaoh and Pharaoh's people. Because remember, Pharaoh made all the people um, uh, mourn, and, and all the people uh, in Egypt at the time, had to bow down to um, Joseph. So that family was highly respected until the Pharaoh dies. And so I want to leave it there, and we're going to pick it up from there, because this is where we're going to start heading in 
to when and how they became slaves and all of that stuff, the behind the scenes stuff as we began to uh, walk through the Bible, we're going to learn so much um, as we began to look into the Word of God. Um, you know, I, I keep telling you guys that the Word of God talks about jinns. Uh, Job talks about jinns. It talks about Leviathan. It talks about dragon, how the scales on their, um, their skin is so tight that air can't go through. Talks about um, um, you know unicorn. God asked uh, Job, "Where were you when uh, the unicorn was uh, when I created the unicorn?" So all these beautiful things is a uh, uh, scripture that alludes to horsemen, which talks about manators and stuff like that. Guys, buckle up! We're gonna have a ride, and I know there's a lot of um, there's studies. Also, there's writing out there where uh, we have. Parts of the Bible and the book of Yasher differs, and we're going to talk about all of those as well, um, especially when it comes within uh, with Pharaoh. In the book of Yasher, there's more miracles, more stuff happen in there than is in the book, uh, in the Bible. Um, there are a couple other uh, incidents that are not there. So all of those things we're going to talk about, because I know a lot of people are making the King James this authority that anything outside of King James is heresy and all of this type stuff. But all those books were before King James. So we'll have those conversations and talk about that. And I just think that at the Council of Nicaea, some, some stuff took place, some decisions that were made that created the Western Christianity, as I call it, and began the pollution of Christianity and the destruction of it from the inside out. And we have today a manifestation of all of that, as we see that in Constantine, we'll talk about that, how Constantine, he was not a Christian, he was not uh, saved, it was a story that they came up with, all of those different things, because he needed the Christians to be a part of his army, and we saw what he did with his army as they began crusades and all of these things in the name of religion and Christianity. So we have so much to talk about because those things are used to um, cause us to look at God and say he's an evil God and he's this and all of that, but that's not the case. It's just evil men using um, using God uh, to control people to get their desired outcome for their evil art. So um, you and I are called to have an individual relationship with God Almighty. And that means, that is why when Jesus died, it tells us that in the temple at that time, that that curtain that separated the high priest, where only the high priest can go into, that that was ripped from the top to the bottom. There's no human being to have done that. And so God rented that as an example to show you and I, that we can come into his presence. I don't need a priest. I got one in Jesus Christ. He's in my high priest. He's up in heaven sitting right next to the Father. I am, for the scripture says, I am a priest and a king. I don't need no priest to tell me about rosy beads and stuff like that. That is religion. That is not Christianity. All of that was given birth after the Council of Nicaea. So we got a lot of talk about it as we walk through the Bible, and we're going to end up at some point in time in in, um, in uh, Revelation, and we have to talk about all of those things, the coming of Jesus Christ. So this is going to be fun. So thank you for staying with us here at um, uh, uh, 
this podcast, uh, Mystery Bible, as we dance through the pages of the Bible and the Book of the Asher, the Book of Jubilee, also a good piece of uh, information to read, the Legend of the Jews, Josephus, um, uh, all of those other material that we can have at our disposal. I told you guys in the beginning, go to Dr. Johnson's site and you can grab a lot of additional information and study, man, and have fun because all those Greek um, mythology stuff, those are real men and women. Zeus and all those guys, they were real people and they die. You can actually go to Zeus's grave and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, that's just how it is. But thank you again for coming. And uh, I thank you for um, those that are supporting me financially. I really appreciate it. As I mentioned to you guys, I do this now full-time. And um, I, uh, your gifts, out of the kindness of your heart, I truly, absolutely uh, want to thank you. And, and I pray for you, even those that are not able to give because I know of life. And I pray for you also that God will continue to open your eyes, that the light of his word will enter into your your heart, your spirit, and allow the word that you guys would allow the word to change your perspective. When your perspective is changed, you will then allow your belief to accept this new perspective, and then you will begin to free yourself from what situation you're in. God bless you, and I want you guys to Get into the word study so that you can understand who you are and you and I can become effective and change this world. If you're listening to this podcast, you must recognize the value of asking questions. At Aramco, our questions help us engineer a better future. How can today's resources fuel our shared tomorrow? How can we deliver energy to a world that can't stop? How can we deliver one of the fuels of the future? How can we sow curiosity to harvest ingenuity? To learn more about how innovation drives us forward, visit aramco.com slash powered by how. Thank you for listening to Mystery Bible. Let's walk through the Bible and learn of God and his beautiful mercies and all that he has provided for us that we may become effective for his kingdom and change this world. Check in every week for a new episode.